rewrite the message for this evening and uh, just want to share something from my heart. This is the uh, kind of last Wednesday evening that we have a normal service for a while. Uh, there'll be times when we'll still gather, maybe for like Thanksgiving and the night of the Christmas party, but uh, next Wednesday night we start our discipleship classes. We're very excited about that opportunity. What a blessing that is. Um, and with that being said, next Wednesday night we have uh, some newbies that will be coming to the class and some that are maybe oldies that still just want to be refreshed and review some of these teachings and of course the teachers themselves what a blessing it is to be able to to discuss these things and it's always good there's nothing new under the sun many years ago as a young pastor I was always nervous about trying to figure out some new truth that would impress the people and finally God reminded me there's nothing new under the sun teach and preach the whole counsel of God and there'll be a blessing to the people today the truth apologizes to no man and so it's always exciting it's always exciting when you see a child maybe register that Jesus Christ died from the cross or a, a new Christian that gets saved. The, the gentleman that got saved Sunday morning, it was a little bit of a different invitation. I stood up here and didn't really give like a, a typical invitation. As soon as the service was over, I, I ran over to try to catch him and, and he was waiting. He was ready. It was, I was afraid he'd sneak out or something. I said, hey, sir. And he's like, yes. Before I even finished the question, yes. And he immediately met with Brother George and he went back and he got saved. He'd been coming for several Sundays and said, He's heard more Bible. He's learned more about the Bible in just a few weeks than he has in a long time because the Word of God is preached and taught here. And it's a blessing when somebody has that, that enlightenment. Sometimes as we journey through the Christian life, we, we take things for granted. And this Wednesday night crowd, I'm not necessarily saying it's us, but I think in society as a whole, Christians all across, especially in the United States of America, maybe in countries that have had the gospel for a long time, we, we take for granted, we, we become what the Bible calls dull of hearing, dull of hearing, meaning it's kind of, it's kind of just it's like bouncing off. It doesn't have the same impact it used to have. And then our opening text tonight in Isaiah chapter 29, it says, In that day the deaf shall hear. And there's almost like a spirit of anticipation there because for the first time they're going to hear something that they hadn't heard before, right? And so tonight, now I want you to take your Bible and go to John chapter 7, John chapter 7. And I love the idea or the concept of a disruption, disruption. Uh, disruptors are a blessing, I think, in, in many cases. Not always, but in application tonight, many of them are a blessing. And I'll give you some examples of that. I didn't realize today until I went to Google, but I guess today is Google's 25th birthday. Right, Google was definitely a disruptor in society. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable now how you can just sit there. If you want to know anything about anything, you just type in Google and find an answer. And uh, well, I mean, even Google doesn't know how to get to heaven. Did you know that if you type in heaven in Google Maps, it says directions not available. Even Google knows it. It doesn't know it needs Jesus Christ for salvation. Amen. But uh, but but still, Google doesn't have all the answers. But it's amazing how, I mean, back in the day, you'd have to go to. I remember the good old-fashioned encyclopedias, right, and then dictionaries. Now you can just type in a few words. If, if you're bored, it's so convenient. Now you just speak, and, and Google pops up whatever it is you want to know, right? Um, so Google was a disruptor. How about air conditioning, right? Thank God for air conditioning. Here we are almost in October 1st, and our air conditioning is still running in good old Missouri. Thank God for air conditioning. What a disruption that was. Cell phones was a disruption. Email was a disruption. I could go on and on. Well, Jesus disrupted his society in that day. And I want you to look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7 is an interesting chapter because Jesus has been building 
a case for his enemies. In John chapter 4, he went into Samaria. No doubt, even though we know his disciples struggled with that move, um, the Pharisees, I'm sure, ended up hearing about that eventually. John chapter 5, he heals someone on the Sabbath. Oh boy. John chapter 6, he begins to teach and preach some controversial things that makes people so upset. And in John chapter 6, verse 66, the people departed at Jesus Christ. I mean, it's amazing. And sometimes people get today get concerned about society and people are leaving the church and statistics as a whole in a society are not really good. But remember, they left Jesus, they left Paul. Society gets to that point sometimes and we have to press on. And that's why I so appreciate your faithfulness to church. And the Lord is still good to us in the midst of all this as you continue to preach and pray and do the job that God has before us until he comes. And we should be looking forward to his return. Amen. How exciting that day will be. And then you get to John chapter 7. So the Pharisees and the, the chief priests have, have had enough. All right, they're done. They're ready. They're ready. They're done. They're just, they're just ready to, to, to get Jesus and it's going to be over. So look at John chapter 7 with me real quickly. John chapter 7. And the Bible says here in verse, let's, let's start let's down to verse number 40. The Bible says, and many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Had not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. The truth will divide, church. It just, it just will. All right. As you go on and down, you see there's a division because of him. Verse 44. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Some would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. The Bible goes on and says, Then came the officers to the, to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, why have you not brought him? So they had sent these officers. They had hired him, them to go and arrest Jesus Christ. In verse 46, wow, what a verse. I, from the first time I read this, just, it's just it still stirs my heart to this day. In verse 46, it says, The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Never man spake like this man. In verse 47, then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? But look at verse 46 again. The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. So it was probably last February or March. I was, and you'll see where I'm going with these stories. I was sitting on my, on my sister's couch at her house, spending some time with my dad. I tried uh, the, the last three or four months of his life. I'm, I'm glad I did this. I, I tried to make sure I spent two or three hours a week out there just spending time with him and talking to my dad. And my niece, Amelia, the deaf one, climbed up on my lap, and we were chatting, and she asked me what it was like being hearing. And I said, well, it's not as great as you think. You know, we were teasing a little bit about it. She made this statement that she wishes she was hearing sometimes. And I said, well, you got to think about it. You, hear, you don't get to hear all these loud noises that wake us up in the middle of the night, you know, thunderstorms and sirens and things like that. She's like, that's true, that's true. And so we had a conversation about that. And uh, fast forward several months later, and a week ago tomorrow night, Thursday night, our, my daughter had a volleyball game in Sedalia. And by the way, our girls won. Hoorah. All right, but anyway, they won the game. A little bit of excitement there. Our girls won. All right. Uh, rough crowd tonight, rough crowd. Don't worry, don't worry. I won't keep you long tonight, all right? Uh, so... We were, uh, we were driving out to the game, 
And I was in the driver's seat, and my wife was in the passenger seat. My mom went with us. My mom was behind me. And my uh, daughter, Brielle, was in the, the second row seat over here. And then Amelia and Claire were in the back seat. So we get there. We get to the game. The game goes well. We win. We're driving back, and we're chatting in the car a little bit. And if you know anything about driving with deaf people, you have to turn on the dome light. You know, that's an important part of being able to communicate with deaf people in the car. I remember sometimes going up and pulled over sometimes. Once the cops found out we were deaf, there was deaf people in the car. They usually forgave us and didn't give us a ticket and, and so on. But for about 30 minutes of the trip back, I just got to listen to my deaf niece's laughter. She laughed for like 30 minutes straight. And if you've never heard a deaf child laugh, you're missing out. I mean, it's, it's amazing hearing just a baby laugh or, or a hearing child laugh, but a deaf child has a different laugh sound because they've never heard sound. They, their voice tones, their pitches are different. I can tell right away that my nephews are hard of hearing because their laughter is more accommodating to the hearing world, whereas my niece, who's profoundly deaf, I think next to my dad, she's the most deaf in our family. My, my sister mom can hear a little bit at least, but my niece, Amelia, is deaf. I mean, she is capital D-E-A-F. She, she's profoundly deaf. And she was just laughing, laughing and laughing and laughing for 30 minutes. And I was sitting up there just thinking about that conversation we had back in February or March. And I wondered to myself, what if she could hear, right? What if she could hear? And as I was driving, I thought about what I was teaching the teens in Sunday school. This is a little bit of kind of along the lines of what I taught the teens on Sunday morning. And then I thought to myself, maybe the reason she's laughing so much, number one, because her cousin, her crazy cousin, is being goofy back there in the seat, Clara. But number two, she's still innocent. She still hasn't heard the noise of the world. She hasn't heard the, the hatred, the vitriol, the cruelty that is out there. I mean, we, we have an election in 13 months. Are we ready? The next 13 months, we've got to hear grown adult men and women call each other names, be hateful to each other, criticize each other. Let me give you an example this week. I guarantee if I ask my niece today if she heard about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey this past Sunday, she'd be like, who? Can I just say, who cares? And yet everybody's talking about it so much so that I mentioned it in church. God, forgive me for that, right? But the noise of the world, the noise of the world. And it took me back to the years when I was a teenager, and I'll, I'll give you some few things and just we'll be done in just a little bit. One time when I was about 16, and my brother was 14, and my sister was 11, we went on a vacation from Kentucky to New York City. Back then, we didn't have cell phones. You just sometimes had to get lucky and pull in the parking lot of a motel and, and get a room. And, and uh, we saw the Statue of Liberty. I remember going up to the Crown and seeing the Statue of Liberty as a teenager. And that night, my dad drove us around. We found a, a mo motel, not a hotel. It was a big difference. A motel in New York City. Jenny's already nodding right. She knows the story. And my mom and dad and sister went to bed. And me and my brother tried to go to bed. What happened? Our neighbors that night, whoever they were, a man and a woman, got into a very violent argument, screaming at each other for three or four hours straight all night long. I mean, I heard every cuss word in the book, and I was 
getting in football shape, and I was getting frustrated. I was about, I told my brother, I said, I'm ready to go over there, knock on the door and say, shut up, I want to sleep, you know. I wasn't saving it, and my brother was like, maybe we better not, because what if they have guns, and they come over and kill mom and dad? And we're like, oh, that's true. So we just, we just laid there for four hours listening to this argument. The next morning, my mom and dad and sister woke up refreshed and ready to see New York City all day, and me and my brother were exhausted because we had to listen to screaming all night long in the room next to us. And once again, I thought, what a blessing it would be to be deaf. <laughs> that night was a blessing to be deaf. And so tonight I want us to look at this concept here. Because when Jesus spoke, it was different. Never man spake like this man. He was fluent in Hebrew. Aramaic, Koine Greek, and Latin. Well, so were a lot of people in that day. The Pharisees, no doubt, preached and taught in Hebrew and Aramaic. The Romans spoke Latin. I mean, everybody spoke, even people taught and quoted the Old Testament. But when Jesus stood up to speak, there was something different. You see, the Jews were so used to the, to the animosity and the tension of the Romans. And the Romans looked down on the Jewish society and, and they had to co-inhabit each other. And, and there was a lot of issues there. Then don't even get started on the Samaritans, the half-breeds. And, you know, how half-Jew, half-Gentile and, and how they were rejected. And, and the way people spoke to each other and, and, and the abuse and how horrible society was. And here comes in this darkness. Here comes in this cold. Here comes in this drought. Somebody who's a light, somebody who is warmth, somebody who was refreshing drink of water, and his name was Jesus Christ. And when Jesus began to teach and to preach and to speak, he spoke and taught in such a way that people said, what is different about this man? And in that day, when Jesus showed up, people started hearing things differently. They started seeing things differently. They started appreciating things differently. Because all of a sudden, that strife and that hate and that critical spirit and that criticism and that vitriol that people had for each other started to kind of fade away because this man, this man who claimed to be the son of God, this man who was the son of man, this man who seemed to be the Messiah was teaching and preaching and loving and helping in such a way that was so contrary to what society was experiencing that day that even the officers who were used to arresting people who were used to capturing the enemy who were used to easily tying a man up and bringing him and throwing him in some jail cell stood back and said I'm not going to touch him are you? I'm not going to touch him and they were willing to incur the wrath of the Pharisees because they said never man spake like this laughter of my niece reminded me of the innocence that we used to have. Of the oblivious feelings we used to have. Just thinking that the sun was always shining and the flowers always bloom. We live in a society so much today that even if the sun's shining and the flowers are blooming, we're still mad about something. We're still complaining about something. And maybe, just maybe, a seven-year-old deaf girl can teach this preacher to shut off the noise sometimes. Because there's people, even in our church, 
in an own building people that come here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and this person says horrible things about this person, and they come to the same church. I'm glad she doesn't hear that. And I've been guilty of being involved in some conversations through the years. But now the older I get, the more I realize, why don't we be just a little bit more like Jesus? Why do we always have to say some negative things? Why do we have to speak such vitriol? I mean, you see it on social media. Everybody's got to have their 15 minutes of fame now. They're arguing and fighting over ridiculous things. And the world looks at Christians and says, why would I want what you have? The negativity cruelty and the hatred and the criticism it's just constant the seven-year-old deaf girl hasn't had to hear that yet and if her uncle could give her some advice tonight I'd say stay away from it as long as you can because there's something beautiful about an encouraging word a word of exhortation pat on the back, a handshake or a hug, looking someone in the eye and saying, you okay? You all right? You hurting right now? Because today it just seems like when we find out someone's down, we're going to go kick them while they're down. We're going to heap piles on them while they're down. We're going to criticize them for being down instead of just loving and picking people up. I asked myself that question recently. Randy, you engaged in conversations that were not pleasing to the Lord through the years. Call it gossip. Call it criticism. Call it whatever you want, right? As a whole in society today, it, it's, we're addicted to it. My dad used to sit by me when he was watching Fox News and say, Son, how can you understand what they're saying? Because the host would have a Democrat on one side, a Republican on one side, and it looked like they were all three talking at the same time. And whoever was typing up the closed captions could not keep up with three people talking at the same time. And my dad would say, what are they even talking about? And I'd look at my dad and say, it's not worth it. It's foolishness. We always have to be right, don't we? No, you know what? I shouldn't always have to be right. Right should always be right. Not me. Truth should always be true. Maybe that laughter I heard just six nights ago from a seven-year-old deaf girl that I call my niece was a reminder that there's a world out there of people that are hurting, that are looking for somebody that will bring some laughter again, some joy again, as if they've heard it for the first time. Listen, we all can agree with this. There's hardly anything that, that beats the laughter of a baby. When a baby laughs, it just... Nobody can be in a bad mood. The innocence of that laugh, the joy of that laugh, it just grips our hearts and reminds us of a peaceful place. And yet today, the newspapers and the news media and the radios and social media and all that stuff just bombard us, bombard us, and bombard us with hate and negativity and critical things and all that. I mean, here's how crazy it's got in America. Every day, 24 hours a day, Grown men sit around on radios and criticize other grown men for playing football and basketball. That's all they do. They get paid millions of dollars to criticize athletes. And many of those guys never even played the sports they're criticizing. Why? Why? What benefit 
What makes me sleep good at night if I'm going to criticize somebody? What makes me sleep well tonight if I get in someone's face and tell somebody off? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus walked on this earth in such a way that the seven-year-old deaf girls were laughing. Well, there was times he was blunt and preached the truth. Well, the truth is the truth. And he preached it when it was necessary. But even in his harsh moments that people like to call, he was still standing for the truth, defending somebody that needed him to defend them. Tonight, I think about this simple thought. Number one, do we speak in such a way that it helps people? Do we live in such a way that it's a help to somebody? Number two, do we speak in such a way or, or behave in such a way that people never forget how we made them feel? There's that old quote that says, people may forget what you taught them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Instead of complaining to the waiter or waitress, just be kind to them so they messed up on your food. But trust me, thank God I wasn't your chef that night. I would have been fired on the first night, right? But number one, do we help them? Number two, do we live in such a way and communicate in such a way that people say, I'm never going to forget you? Number three, do we speak and communicate in such a way that it makes a difference in this world? We know to be kind, to be nice, to be like Jesus, that's the minority in society today. But I want to be that Pray for me. I desire to be that way. It doesn't mean I'm not going to stand for the truth when necessary. But on a day-to-day basis, there's people all over this town that haven't laughed in a long time. They haven't been seven years old in a long time. They haven't sat in the back seat of a car with their cousin giggling and giddy for a long time because they've heard how awful they are. They've heard how worthless they are. They've heard and they've heard and they've heard all this garbage and they finally believe what people have been telling them all these years. Today, I challenge all of us. The week before we start our discipleship program, as we started our kids' programs, let's be like Jesus. When we meet people, may they leave. They may not say it exactly this way, but may they leave saying, man, I haven't met somebody who speaks like him or her in a long time. Never man spake. Like this man. So that we might hear some more seven-year-olds and 17-year-olds and 27-year-olds and 37-year-olds and 57-year-olds and 77-year-olds and 87-year-old people laugh again because somebody showed them Jesus. And in that day, Bad eyes are close. Thank you for listening to the word of God. There's a name above all others, wonderful to hear, bringing hope and cheer. It's the lovely name of Jesus. 
gonna say what a lovely name higher far than the brightest star, sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven, let the world proclaim what a lovely Every race shall behold his face. 